rather long verse today. So for those who have arthritic knees and etc., I'm not going to ask you to stand. But just to remember, this is God's holy word, and we are to honor it. From the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, these words. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Now this is Philip the deacon, not Philip the apostle. Spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, that is the nation just south of Egypt, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury, very powerful man, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. You see, there's a very old tradition of, of the influence of Judaism in Ethiopia. You may not be aware of that, uh, of contacts uh, with the Jewish faith that took root in Ethiopia uh, long before Christ. And if you go there today, you will find uh, uh, synagogues and places of worship uh, related to Judaism. find many, many Christian churches, too. And was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, now remember how he was directed, the Spirit, what is choosing. Philip didn't choose the man he was to go to, the Spirit directed him. Said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. You need to remember that Philip was not a rabbinic scholar. But Philip knew the Lord. I've studied under a few scholars that I was not convinced, knew the Lord. The place in the scripture he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Philip and said, I ask you, whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture and preached Jesus to him. Had a wonderful time in Bible study on Wednesday night. It's a real tragedy that more of you aren't involved in Bible study. You really have no excuse. You really don't. We had a wonderful time in Bible study this past Wednesday where we talked about Christ and how he fulfills the whole of the Old Testament. They know that. You probably don't. But, but as, as, uh, as, as he began to teach them, uh, he opened the scriptures up, and, and, and doubtlessly he showed him how Christ fulfilled 
uh, all that he'd read in Isaiah and, and fulfilled all the rest of the prophecies. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. Now, see, baptizing, baptism is reserved for those who believe with all their heart. It's not a ritual we do just to do. It is a sign that you have received Christ and be born again. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up, the Spirit of the Lord... caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Thank you, Lord, for this, your holy word. Amen. If I were to ask you, what is your greatest accomplishment? If you had before you a sheet of paper today and, and I was to ask you, what, what are your five greatest accomplishments? What would you write down? You know, I listen to both political parties and they talk about their accomplishments. I listen to people I've sat down and... Uh, Listen to many people in conversation tell me all they'd done in life and, and how important it all was. But what would you put down? You know, as a minister, I have been pastor where several beautiful edifices of worship were built. And I've seen extensions of buildings and all of those things and... Well, in a sense, they, I'm sure they will outlast me. When I croak, I'm pretty sure this building will still be here. Are those my accomplishments? Are those the important things that I have done? Are those the things for which I wish to be remembered? What is our greatest accomplishment. I told you a couple of Sundays ago, and all of you remember me saying it, that the United States is in trouble. I mean, I think indicative of the sort of advertisements and programming and entertaining, and, 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 and Europe is even in greater trouble, Gail, as is clearly made point by the opposition of darkness to the message of Franklin Graham, who is one of God's great men. But I said, if you remember, that the reason this has happened is because of the churches. Now you've got a bunch of weak-kneed clerics and beautiful robes in England that are, are frightened because people don't like it when they tell them the biblical truth. And rather than standing by that truth, these weak-kneed clerics, they go against the truth. That's a shame. That is a shame. But at the deepest level, I think the church is responsible is because 
believers are not making new believers. Before the all-seeing eye of God, not my eye, God will look at my heart at the same time. If you are a believer, can you honestly say before the Lord, I have reached one person for Christ. I have reached two people. Or how many of us would have to say, I can't say for sure that I've ever reached anybody. Now, one of the things that <coughs> Christians always do, and, it, it, and it's, it's very important that we do that, they say, well, my life is my witness. And that is very important, you know. Your life is going to be the only sermon some secular people will ever hear, some Muslim will ever hear, some Hindu will ever hear, your life. But dear friends, if that is all there is to it, don't kid yourself that you are being faithful as a disciple because it is not only living out the truth but witnessing to the truth. Today's scripture beautiful example of, of, of the life of the early church, the early church that in a short time converted most of the known world. Think of that. In the span of a few centuries, converted most of the known world. And how did they do it? They didn't do it through some mass evangelistic program. They didn't do it through some glitzy show. They did it because people who fell in love with the Lord faithfully witnessed that Lord to others. Not just with action and deed, but with testimony. So here, here the Holy Spirit directs Philip to get out of bed, to go down on the road to Gaza in the desert, and, and, and to speak to this man. Now, important lesson for all of us. When we are involved in prayer, seeking to fulfill the Lord's work, the Holy Spirit will direct us to people. He's directed me to one person I know of for sure in this community. And I've not been successful yet. Of course, I won't be successful. The Holy Spirit will be successful. But I know for sure that I've been directed to speak the gospel message to this person. He's a very fine person. But I know the fullness of Christ is not yet in him. Why? I never see him here. Or in any church. But... We, when we are people of prayer seeking to live out the obedient discipleship, the Lord will direct us to people. You see, the Lord wants you and I to be faithful, but he also to be faithful also involves being available. 
You know, I just want to praise our young people in, in this church. Do you, know, do you know these young people bring people into the youth fellowship that, that really need to be here? And the thing I've observed about them is those that come because they really need to be here discover that and they bring other people that need to really be here. That's how it works. I mean, Don is a brilliant youth leader, but I, now don't shake your head. I've been a minister for 50 years. You're the best I've ever worked with. And I've worked with some good ones. But, but it, I want to say, as she'll tell you, it really isn't me. It's the Lord. That's the way all God's real servants answer. It's the Lord. And that translates to these young people. Now, I just wonder sometimes, why aren't we adults doing the same thing? You know, I'll tell you why. Because we're not in love with Jesus enough. That's why. Uh, the preacher don't mean, mean to make you feel bad, but the preacher may, wants to lead you to the place where you'll experience the joy of the greatest accomplishment you will ever have, and that is to be a part of God's divine plan to bring a person to a true, joyous, living faith relationship with Jesus. That's your greatest accomplishment. Philip was a man that loved the Lord he went out and witnessed the wonderful things that Jesus had done for the world because it had done firstly all for Philip. Philip was a man of prayer. Philip was a man that loved and rejoiced in the gospel. And Philip was used. Honestly, this morning... Are you a person who loves the Lord and rejoices in his gospel? People scream their heads off at sports events. They'll get so happy when their team wins. And there's nothing wrong with that, really. But you know, the sad thing is we don't have near the enthusiasm for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ we have for so many other things. Are you a person who loves the Lord and rejoices in his gospel? Are you a person of prayer seeking the direction of the Lord over your life? Do you desire, as Philip desired, to be the means of touching hearers and other lives with the gospel? Is that your prayer? I shared with the Wednesday night Bible study that the Lord laid on my heart to burden, and I've been trying to live that burden out to, to not just preach to be a witness, but to be a witness myself. You know, it's pretty easy for me to sit up and say, you folks ought to be, but, but, but never let me be the kind of preacher that asks you to do anything that I'm not doing. Because if I am, I'm an inauthentic preacher, you know, unauthentic. And I've had moments of joy this past few days in my life. Had an unusual telephone call. Liz and I was taking Elizabeth for an MRI, and uh, the phone rang. We were driving the car. Uh, 
You have policemen, please forgive me. Don't arrest me. I know we're not supposed to talk on the phone while we're driving now in North Carolina. I try to do that always. I don't. But, but, but Elizabeth answered it, and she handed the phone to me, and it was this young woman. I didn't even know her. Wednesday night group, bear with me. I'm sorry. But I didn't even know her. And she said, are you the gentleman that used to own the property down in Niagara, Tennessee, where it had the log cabin on it? And I said, yes, ma'am, but I've sold that property. She says, oh, that's not what I'm calling about. She says, when I was 14, I broke into your cabin with some people. And she says, I didn't steal anything but a key. And since then, I've become a Christian, and God has told me to give you that key back because nothing in my life's going right. And he told me I needed to get right what I'd done wrong. That's, isn't that something? You know, that's a God thing, isn't it? But, but the purpose of God was to use me in that process to reaffirm her salvation and to teach her the difference between God's correction and God's punishment and that God was just correcting her and growing her through that process. And, and she says, well, I'm so sorry. I said, don't. I forgive you. I, I forgave you even beforehand. And, then, and we carried on a good conversation about the Lord. And afterwards, she says, thank you for your mercy. And you know what I said to her? I said, I'm going to show mercy because I've received a lot of mercy. And then I was at uh, Walmart, and I was telling, I was asked for a testimony of my stinginess from Ray at Bible study, and he gave me an amen. And I, I, was, I was over at Walmart, and uh, this lady came up and walked to me, and, 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 you know, I've been around people on drugs so much, I can spot most of them, and I knew, I, she just didn't have the appearance of it or nothing about her. And she says, sir, I, I've lost my job, and I've lost my home. She said, she said, uh, we're living out of my car. I take my son, six-year-old son, to school every day. He says, we don't have anywhere to live. And she says, but tonight I have no money to buy him any food. So I gave her $20. But then the Lord put on my heart to talk to her about Jesus, and she wasn't going to church anywhere, and I encouraged her to find a good Bible church. And I told her, I said, dear friend, the only way you're going to really ever have happiness and joy in your life is through a living faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves me, and he loves you. Now, I don't know what she'll do with that testimony. But I pray God, as we talked about scattering the seed, we being the source planted deep in our heart. My dear friends, the greatest accomplishment you and I will ever make is to be used of God to bring a person to a living faith relationship with Jesus Christ. And you may doubt your ability to do that when you... You know, Jesus called us all to be disciple makers. Don't doubt your ability to do that. If God calls you to do it, God will provide it. If you depend upon yourself, you're going to be frightened and insecure about it. But if you depend upon God, what does Paul say in Philippians? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the ministry of bringing people into a living faith relationship with Christ is our calling. And if it's our calling, he will empower us, right? Isn't that true? The Lord never calls us to do anything that he does not provide the means to do. Don't doubt yourself. Let me tell you, one of the greatest evangelists I've ever known was died before she was eight years old. 
one of the greatest evangelists I've ever known, died before she was eight years old. Her name was Jamie Panui. She was descended from the royal Hawaiian family, but uh, she, her dad was a carpenter and her mother was a teacher's aide. They didn't have a lot of money. But Jamie was born with a very rare disease, a disease where her muscles never attached to the bone strong enough to hold her up. It was a disease that would deteriorate and she would probably die before she was five. She lived to be seven, almost eight, just a few days short of being eight. But Jamie Panui loved Christ. She loved her church. And she would take that little red wheelchair and zip around, face always strapped in it because she couldn't sit there by herself. Her face always joy, singing songs about Jesus. I, I mean, she, this was when she was 40 years old. And I watched her grow in Christ. And, and she knew the Bible. She read the Bible. She read Bible stories. And she talked to people about Christ. And people were moved. But then the disease finally took its last toll. And we took her to the hospital at, at uh, Queen's Hospital in Honolulu. Uh, beautiful palliative care facilities they have. I mean, incomparable to anywhere I've ever been, you know. A, a large room, large as our, almost as large as our fellowship area right back behind the church and, and all the accommodations a family could need and, 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 and nurses and doctors and, and they put Jamie in there and, and Jamie knew very well why she was there. Her mother used to read her a book called Tell Me About Heaven. They read that all the time. And more than once I've been in there when her mother began to cry and tears come in her eyes and Jamie would say, Mother, stop this. Both of you, both of us know this earth is not really our home. Heaven is our home. The only difference is I'm going there before you. This little girl that knew she was dying was at perfect peace. Perfect peace. Her nurses were overwhelmed. Because she was in pain, but her, her nurses were overwhelmed. Her doctors were overwhelmed. One Buddhist doctor said to her, how is it that you, as a little child you're able to deal with this? And She said, because I know Jesus Christ, and I know Jesus Christ my whole life has never failed me. I know he's not going to fail me. I know he loves me. I know he's going to save me, and soon I'm going to be with him. Seven years old. Well, how was she able to say that? Because she had a real living faith relationship with Jesus Christ. And that was the main thing in life. That doctor later on accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Now you people may think, oh, well when a Japanese Buddhist accepts Christ, it's something dramatic. Because they give up their cultural heritage. She led a number of nurses to recommit their life to Christ. And she strengthened her old pastor's faith too. The night she died, she called me to her bedside and says, Pastor, I love your preaching, but I, I love our church's singing more. They, they'd say that here too, Gail. 
I promise you. She said, would you get our praise team down? Well, I made one call, and from 12 miles away, the whole praise team comes with their guitars, and they sang all of her favorite songs. I saw one little tear come out of her eye. She went to sleep that evening in this world and woke up in the next. Her school teachers came to Christ because of her. Don't sit there and tell me you can't change lives. If you put your life in the hand of Jesus Christ and get conscious about doing his will and sharing the gospel, he will use it. Anybody who denies that is a liar. But the problem is, you see, we are resistant. Now, does that resistance to being his witness, to, to really accomplishing the significant thing in life. Does that resistance come from the Lord? That timidity in our life, is it, is it caused by the Lord? Is, is the Lord the author of our hesitancy to be a faithful witness to Jesus Christ, to our family, friends, and neighbors, to the lost people? Is the Lord because of that? Of course not. That's absurd. The cause of that is the prince of darkness, whose greatest fear is that the church of Jesus Christ in this time will come to life and will become the means of men and women and boys and girls coming to know Christ as the true Savior. That's the one that fears that. So when you experience those fears and those senses of of inadequacy and timidity, Condemn them. For he that is in you, what does the Bible say? He that is in you, the Lord, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Put your life and its purpose in the hands of the Lord Jesus and to be his evangelist. And you know what evangelist means? Evangelist means simply this. Evangel is good news. Evangelist is the carrier of good news. We all ought to be that. And to bring that good news into as many lives as we can. And here and there, men and women and boys and girls through that witness Christ will touch you know you are the means he has chosen to bring the gospel to light The greatest accomplishment you will ever have in life is to bring a person into the fold of the Lamb of God. Do it. Amen.